0: everyone. How we doing? Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter three and four. Remember to pray for, um, a team that's in Moldova. Uh, Kathy and I'll be leaving this afternoon to join them. So I'll be in prayer for Dan and some others who are there. And, um, Pray that God would use us as we minister there. Um, team's doing some projects. I'll be teaching Wednesday through Saturday. So just pray that everything goes great. Next Sunday, uh, you're going to have a great opportunity to hear Alonzo Jones, who is doing our marriage retreat. He's going to come and preach. Uh, again, we have our marriage retreat coming up at the end of October. If you haven't signed up, you haven't, I think we have like five spots left, uh, so you want to get on board. Uh, it's going to be great. It really is going to be fun. You're going to love Alonzo, um, so please sign up for that. Anyway, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, It says in the book of Ephesians this. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Family is God's idea. It's not ours, it's not a man-created event, it's what God has done. He's father, he's known as father, and as a result, all family derives its name from him. The truth of who he is, he's a father. He's a good, good father, we sing that song as well. And so I'm talking a little bit about family this couple of weeks, Um, whether you're single, Uh, divorced, married, remarried, remarried, married, re-re-married, whatever the case may be, we're all a part of God's family. We're all engaged in family. And family at times is the crucible that God uses to sanctify us, to make us holier, to prepare us, to clear us out. Because, come on, let's face it, is there any place on earth where there seems to be more tension than within the the framework of the family? Now, some of you may look at me and say, well, my family's never had conflict. You know what? I don't believe you, Uh, first of all. I I simply don't because conflict, we're going to see, happens. It just happens. It, It doesn't have to stay that way, but conflict is going to occur. And here's the idea, you're going to, I'm just going to give you the big picture and then we're going to delve into it in just a little more. You're going to face conflict. Uh, Today, sitting here right now, you are either in the middle of conflict, you're coming out of conflict, or you don't know it, but you're about to go into conflict. I mean, you're in one of these three places right now. Somewhere, and maybe it won't be in your marriage or with your children, but it'll be in life somewhere, but most likely it'll be in family because a lot of times this is where it occurs. And so where do you want to be coming through this conflict? Is conflict going to destroy you? Is conflict going to take you down? Or are you going to be strengthened through the conflict? And, and I want to say this, you need to prepare for conflict. Because there's this whole sowing and reaping principle that we looked at last week. That, that where you want your marriage and family and life to be a year from now, you need to start sowing seeds today to get there in a year. Uh, I, I love everybody in this church. I mean, really. I love everyone. And at times, there are couples who come to me who are in the midst of conflict they're having difficulty, and they're, they're looking to me to help manage their way out of the conflict. And I, I'll say to them on a frequent basis that you have five, ten, fifteen years of patterns of behavior that you brought in here today. You're not going to be fixed by tomorrow. It's just not going to happen. I mean, God can deliver us. I, I understand the The framework that God can set us free from some things, but you've got to aim for a year. You've spent 5, 10, 15 years of sowing, and now you're reaping, right? If that principle holds true, which I believe it does. If you want to change, if you want to be somewhere different a year from now, you've got to start planting seeds. Your harvest of planting conflict is now coming in. Just get, sow it, get rid of it, let it go. But start sowing seeds today for things that you want to reap in righteousness and goodness tomorrow. We all get frustrated. We all get in the middle of conflict. We all have problems. We all have challenges. I was laughing. I read this article this past week about it. I was up in the mountains in Colorado. I was reading some different stuff, studying for, I was in Wyoming, excuse me, but Who's talking? Yeah. So uh, anyway, I was up with my pastor friends, and we were doing some stuff. I was reading this article, and um, it was talking about frustrations and how we all face frustrations, and that in in 1950, um, the order uh, the the owner of a Mexican grill in Arizona um, accidentally dropped a burrito in a that of boiling oil, and the owner she didn't want to cuss, so she made up a word, chimichanga, that we now eat all the time. <laughs> that was her she, rather than cursing. She oh chimichanga. So whenever you're eating it uh, next time, I don't, I couldn't fact check that, but it's, I read it on the internet, and so I thought it was really a. <laughs> you're gonna get frustrated. You're going to have things in life that are, going to, that are going to challenge you. And some of them aren't things to really laugh about. I mean, we're laughing now, but they're serious. You know, there's some people here today that I, I probably don't even know this, but your marriage is on the brink. You're not even sure you're going to make it. I want to say God will deliver. You, were you saying sing a hallelujah in the middle of the storm? Raise a Hallelujah. Because that's the way we're going to make it through. Imagine this family for just a second. Father commits adultery, has a guy killed, husband, cover up the fact he got the woman pregnant. Next thing you know, he's got a number of kids, stepchildren, children, Stepbrothers and sisters, and one stepbrother falls in love with his stepsister, and he so wants to be with her that rather than just wait for her, he actually sexually assaults her. Her full brother hears of it. He gets so mad that he kills the half-brother. The father who committed adultery probably thinks he has no say in this whole matter because of his own sin, so rather than handling the conflict, he just smooths over it. The son who's committed murder, he has to flee. Years later, he gets to come back. By this time, he's embittered toward his father for not handling the situation of the rape of his sister. Next thing you know, a battle breaks out for the hearts of, you know the story of David and Absalom and the whole situation. It is a picture to me of unresolved conflict. People just kind of, It results in the death of Absalom, the breaking of David's heart. I blame David for this whole deal. You may not, but I do. For not stepping up and managing his household. For not taking care of situations and circumstances. I know Absalom had his part, Tamar. and It's just an ugly situation. But what I want to say is this. The point is, all families have problems. Some of them not quite that severe. But all families have their own stuff to deal with. It says in Ephesians 4, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. I love the way it doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, don't get angry. He, he assumes you're going to get angry at some point. But in your anger, don't sin. We're going to lead into this right now. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. When you're angry, do not sin. Here's what I want to say. Conflict is certain. It is inevitable. You will have conflict. Here's the issue. Conflict is defined as two people trying to occupy the same space. Um, it It happens. And I want to say this, conflict is neither good nor bad, because we're different people. We have different emotions. We have different, you like a blue wall? I want a red wall. That's a conflict, right? We're trying to, I mean, it's not a big conflict, but it can be, right? Because conflict is inevitable. Conflict is certain. The problem is not the conflict. The problem is how do we handle the conflict? How do we resolve the conflict? How do we move through the conflict? And there are uh, different, uh, many different ways that conflict can be handled, some of them good and some of them really horrible. But I think that God uses conflicts in our lives to help develop us, to help make us stronger, to help move us forward. In this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have problems. Jesus could have said, in this world, you will have conflict. And he said it in so many different ways. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You can overcome this. We have conflict. Jim Van Yeperen in, uh, in his book, Leaders on Leadership, says this. Through conflict, we know our need, acknowledge sin, recognize truth, and test our faith. The narrative of our faith requires conflict. By it, we learn and grow. Only by trusting God through pain, uncertainty, and opposition do we prove His will demonstrates His power. His will demonstrates His power. Spiritual leadership means making decisions that both cause and resolve conflict. Whenever I'm thinking about decisions in our church, I know that any decision I make is going to make somebody unhappy. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Somebody doesn't. Somebody wants to continue this meeting. Someone wants to discontinue this meeting. Someone wants this to be this long. Someone wants it to be this short. Someone wants to have green chairs. Someone has wants to have blue chairs. I've told this story before, but when we first started the church, we, there were only five couples, and so I thought um, before we, you know, we were getting ready to renovate this building and do things. I, I, I thought. I'll just bring uh, some color schemes. We'll choose the colors of our church together. Uh, and so I brought some paint chips. Those that were at this meeting, remember. It was like, there were only like five couples. We're starting a church. We are so on board for this. And I almost lost the church before we ever started. Because I mean, people have different views on what looks good. They like different colors. And the next thing you know, which color do you like? goodness this is such a stupid question because everybody's got a different color and now they want to push forward their color right let's keep pushing it forward wait if if we go with this color then that means they're not going to take my color and so i gotta tell you here's what i did i dropped back and i punted i said hey how about this how about we hire an interior decorator to choose our colors for us and whatever they say we'll just go with we did. I mean, conflict, it is inevitable. And we either grow through it or we don't. Listen, some of the people that I am closest to, and this is the truth, some of the people I'm closest to in this church right now, I've had major conflict with. Is that a bad thing? No, I I don't think so. I think what happens is when you work through conflict, it's it's like two ropes that come together and they get knotted together. If you work through the... Now, the ropes can get cut and go their own way. That's the way a lot of people work. Or they can get knotted and tied together and they're just stronger. They're a stronger net, knowing that we are different. Again, the problem is not the conflict. The problem is how we handle the conflict. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Paul is not saying you're perfect, a leader is perfect, but at the same time not quarrelsome. If it is possible, and I love this next line, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, what's the challenge in that statement? Well, you don't control the world. Some people are going to be mad at you no matter what. This has been a hard truth for me. I like to be liked. I mean, I've got probably at times, especially when I was younger, I had an unhealthy need to be liked. So, at some point, you've got to realize, if you're going to lead anything, somebody's not going to like you. And to me, that's a hard truth to get around. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, what are, why do we have conflict? What are some of the causes of conflict? Well, let me just say it straight out. The first problem is sin. Sin kind of uncorpor- is like the umbrella that covers a lot of conflict. Uh, our hearts are not totally clean. We have sinful things, and in the family where people see you up close the most, sin gets exposed. And that's one of the reasons conflict happens is to expose sin so that we can deal with it. I, I talked about this last week just for a second, but you know, I thought I, I got married when I was 28. By 28, you know, you're pretty well holy and sanctified, right? So. <laughs> You're, you're, you're in good shape by 28. I mean, if you get married at 21, you got some things to work through. But at 28, you're in good shape. I got married, and it exposed all the flesh in me. And then, you know, a couple years later, I thought I'd work through that, and then I had children. And more flesh was exposed. I, mean, I kind of joked about this. But it does. It brings out your own sin, your own selfishness, the stuff in your life. Even roommates do that. If you're single and you have a roommate, I had a roommate... <laughs> Guys handle, this is true too, guys handle fights in different ways than girls, Uh, in case you didn't know. I didn't really know this until I got married. Uh, I thought all guy fights were the same. You know, guy fights, when you're like have roommates, they're like undercurrent, nobody says anything, kind of builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up, volcano, explosion, boom. (laughs) Fight, name calling, boom, it's fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I called you, whatever, I just called you. And then it's over and you move on and nobody's bitter, nobody's angry, nobody's still seething about it, nobody's even thinking about it. We've had the volcano, it's exploded, the tsunami occurred, now everybody just moves on. I was amazed by my friends who were girls, it went on for weeks. <laughs> there were fights with their roommates, they just kept going on. she did I'm like, well, why don't you just deal with it? Well, I did, but I, you know, you just have different kind of fights. I'm not saying guy fights are better. I mean, they're pretty unhealthy at the moment. There's a lot of repentance that has to take place later. But it's based on sin, and we all have this problem. A lot of our conflict comes out of fear. You didn't arrive where you arrived today in a vacuum. You've got things that happened in your past, hurts, things that occurred, and they have caused fear to come into your heart, into your life. Those harms of the past, past relationships, past, when you were a child, if you were abused, or, or, or something bad happened, or, or, or sometime where you got sick, or an accident, it, it could be anything that causes fear, and when fear happens, you respond in a certain way to this circumstance and this situation, even though that circumstance and situation may not be the same as the cause of fear. I, I tell this story all the time, I love the story, but um, those of you who've been at fullness for a long time, but enough of you who are new, you haven't heard all my old stories. So they're new again, right? So when I was little, we had this dog that used to chase cars. So you're oh, I know this story, I remember this story. Uh, we had a car that chased, a dog, a car that chased dogs, a, a, a dog that chased cars, and we lived kind of on a country road. It wasn't that big a deal there, but we were now moving from one place to another. We're moving more, we're becoming more citified, and uh, as we moved in the city, it was on a busy road, and my dad said, this dog is going to die. I mean, hundreds of cars are passing by our house every day, and if he chases cars, he's going to get killed. So my dad did this old country cure for the dog where we went out in the country. He had my uncle get in a car and drive the car, and then he took a shotgun shell, and he put ice cream salt in the shotgun shell. And when the dog took off to chase the car, he shot the dog with the ice cream salt. Now, some of you are horrified. I can see it on your faces, especially the women. You're going... Bear the rod, spoiled the child. You know? <laughs> don't shoot the dog or he'll die. I, I don't know. It, it's, let me tell you, the dog never chased another car. For the rest of his life, he never chased another car. But every time it thundered, oh my goodness, he went crazy. <laughs> under a bed, under a couch, hiding in a closet. Why? Because fear about that sound now dictated his life. And sometimes you're hearing thunder, but you're remembering the distant pain. And that fear causes something to rise up within you, and you run back into your spouse, coworker, roommate, whoever it is. Some of us are just afraid of change. I like it this way. I don't want to change. I like... Some of us like our dysfunction so much, we'd rather stay in our dysfunction... Because we're afraid of what might happen if we tried to get fixed. At least I understand this dysfunction. You know, I know this model right here. So I'm afraid to change because it could be better, but what if it's worse? Some of you, we've got to get out of the muck. Living in the muck is not better. Somebody write that down. It was really good. Uh, causes of conflict, our own needs. Our needs conflict with another person's needs. Uh, We all have needs. You got needs, I got needs, we all got needs. Sometimes our needs conflict with each other and we have different passions. You know, Kathy and I, we get along well together. We're still trying to adjust to this whole empty nest thing. You know, we've had five kids and a lot of our life has really been about managing children. And helping them and uncovering it. We've been in an empty nest pretty much for about a year. And we're still adjusting to what it looks like. So on a recent day off, I'm in my chair reading. I'm in my happy place. It's awesome. Kathy's like, hey, we got a day off. Let's get busy. We got some stuff to do. I got closets around here. I haven't cleaned out in 20 years. Come on, let's go clean out closets and do stuff and... Her needs were conflicting with my needs. (laughs) You understand? I mean, I didn't want to get up. I was loving my book. I was reading this latest Malcolm Gladwell book. It was really good on talking to strangers, and it was really interesting. I'm really into it. I was not happy to get up. But guess who won? (laughs) Guess whose need prevailed? We kind of compromised but I did clean out some closets. We all have different needs. It causes conflicts. Hey, selfishness. We are all self-centered people. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let's just face it. You want something, but you don't get it. Hopefully you don't get to the place where you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. Now, he's talking about prayer, but really the problem here at, the, at its core is self-centeredness and selfishness, and that causes a lot of conflict. We just have different issues, difference in decisions that need to be made, value differences. Some things are more valuable than others to people. Now, I've asked my wife about all these stories, so please don't, um, you can run down and tell her if you want to. That's all I got. So, some of you, your first move is to go tell Kathy some story I told uh, in church. She's, but um, we have different values. Yesterday um, I got picked up from the airport by Kathy. I, I've been out of town all week and I got back at like four o'clock. And, um, I have a big value about being on time. It's a high value for me. It's probably, it's probably an idol at some point. I don't know. I don't think so. But um, that's just me. I don't think it's I don't think it's an idol. I just think it's I think it's polite. I think it's the thing you do for people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's joking in here, but there's truth in the jest, right? So, if, honestly, if you ask me to pick you up at the airport, I'll be waiting for you to get off the plane to come to the airport. Kathy feels like making the most use of every moment of her time is more valuable. So, you know, why, go to, why should I go to the airport and wait on you when I could be doing some more stuff at home, and then you're just going to have to get your luggage? Who knows how long that could be? And maybe your plane's going to be two minutes late. Why should I sit in a cell phone lot waiting on you? I'll just, I'll give you plenty of time to get everything. And then I'll drive up. You'll be standing there waiting. And I'll you just jump in the car. Now, this causes conflict among us. It has for 20, almost 30 years. Uh, I, I was saying to her, yesterday, you've never had to wait for me at the airport. Ever. And she's like, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So yesterday, yesterday, I, you know, I text 20 times letting her know when I'm going to get there. Planes, the library at 341. I think it'll take me eight minutes to get my bag. I think I'll be standing out on the, I'm going to be standing out on the curb, with, you know, that kind of thing. I, I let her know exactly when. Now, if my timing is bad, then I'm fine. You know, it's me. I, but anyway, so I grab my bag off the carousel. I call her up and I say, hey, babe, where are you? Now, see, To me, that's just an innocent question, right? Hey, babe, where are you? To her, it was an accusation. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because we've had this thing where, for so long, I'll get in the car and I'm mad because I'm waiting on the, and it's a history. I mean, she was waiting in the cell phone lot, waiting for me to call so she could pull right up, which is fine. Cell phone lot, good. You know, that's understandable. But all I thought, I was asking, hey babe, where are you? So she pulls up and she's a little upset at me for accusing her, knowing that this has been a value of mine for years. And she said, why'd you ask that question? (laughs) And I'm like, I I was wondering where you might be. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, no, you were accusing me of not being here on time. What I'm saying is we have issues that didn't just get here, right? It didn't, we didn't drop into this world out of a vacuum. It, to anybody else, this is stupid, but everything else, it raises emotions from past history. And let me just tell you, the longer you live with people, the more you got. The more you've accumulated over the years. It happens. We all have different behavioral patterns. We act differently. How do we act and react? Our backgrounds, communication, oh my goodness, I, get, I don't have all day because I got to catch a flight and I got to get a tooth fixed today. So never mind, it's not a big deal. Thank the Lord for Griffin because I broke a tooth this morning. And I, I'm like, I'm chewing on a scone, I break a tooth, half my tooth, I got half my tooth in my hand. I'm leaving at 6 p.m. to go to a foreign country for two and a half weeks. This is not good. praise God, I got, we have Griffin. Who's going to help me uh, survive for two and a half weeks? Anyway, where am I? Oh, communication. I digress. Communication. We do not communicate well. Our our body language, our words, our actions, we do not communicate well. And as a result of our bad communication, half the time we feel accused, hey, babe, where are you? You know, we don't communicate well. And then we get defensive. And then we start blaming people. Then we start attacking people, and it leads, conflict now goes up. You know, you could tell a person you love them, but if you don't say it matching, if your body doesn't match your words, then they don't feel very loved. And going down the line of other things you could say to them. This is one of the reasons, by the way, I think all conflict should be resolved in person, not on the phone. Amen. Not on the phone, not a, Lord, help us not in a text. (laughs) I mean, Generation XYZ, do not text trying to resolve conflict. People will read everything imaginable in a text or email. They'll fill in gaps emotionally that you can't even imagine they might. I mean, I was talking to my wife and I said, hey, babe, how are you? And it still went a different direction. Communication. Proverbs says, he who loves a quarrel loves sin. He who builds a high gate invites destruction. In other words, there's an aspect of communication, quarreling and defensiveness here that don't help resolve conflict, building a high gate. Also, assumptions. Assumptions. Assuming that we think we know what's going on. This will kill you and will cause incredible conflict. Look, I hope you don't mind me being vulnerable about my marriage and my life, Um, just because why not, right? I'm I'm a real person. Hello? My tooth breaks like yours breaks. Uh, I have problems. Kathy and I, we were working through stuff. This past week, I'm in uh, Wyoming, and I get this uh, text from Shannon Malcolm, who says, Hey, Pastor, I think your Facebook account has been hacked. Now, I know automatically I've seen enough hacks on Facebook pages, which means something inappropriate under my name got posted, right? So I immediately get on uh, Facebook to change my password, eliminate any... And some of you are saying, oh, that's not, well, I'm not on Facebook. Uh, that's fine. You don't, I don't want you to be on Facebook. It's cool. Um, but I am, so don't throw stones. Uh, so <laughs> I'm fixing my password. I'm trying to, to get it... Um, Corrected, and, and as I'm doing that, it was so sweet of Shannon to let me know and to assume the best of me, like I didn't post this. And <clears throat> 10 minutes later, I get this text from my wife. Why in the world would you post that on Facebook? <laughs> I'm like, Even Shannon knew. I don't think Shannon's here. Even Shannon knew I'd been hacked. <laughs> Wouldn't that be your first assumption? Oh, you got hacked. That bar would never post this. <laughs> we all have our stuff that we're moving through. Don't assume the worst. Think positively, and for many of us, we have causes of conflict because we have a lack of trust or respect. I, Love and respect is huge in marriage. Um, that's why Paul says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Why? Because it's a big deal. And by the way, I, I don't have time to preach on this. You can read the book, Love and Respect. Both of those are commands. They're not options. They're not, they're not deserved. They're not earned, by the way. Love is unconditional Respect is given unconditionally. Now, we, that trips our mind. And this is in marriage. This is not every relationship on earth. In other words, Paul's not saying, hey, people, respect every single person. No, I, I understand there's an aspect of respect that's earned. But in a marriage, those two things are given as commands unconditionally. And the lack of trust or respect, once we violate trust to man, is it hard to get it back. You know, the bank of trust takes a long time to invest in. It can be emptied in an instant. And it will cause conflict. Once trust is broken, I mean, everything becomes under the microscope too. And can be examined. Misunderstanding of roles and responsibilities. Again, we do a whole marriage seminar on all of these. Because roles and responsibilities, you don't even know. Those of you who are single, you don't even know. The assumptions that you take about roles and responsibilities into marriage. In other words, you think your marriage will look like the family of origin that you came from most of the time. This is a stupid illustration, but let's say that your dad always took out the trash in your, the family you came from. You get married. Wife looks at the husband. Trash is full. By the way, that's a passive aggressive, not a passive aggressive, but that's a non-direct form of communication, which females usually, um, I'm not being ugly, it's just, they don't, they don't usually say directly, hey, would you take the trash out? They take a form, which is much more polite, to just say, hey, you know, the trash is full. Now, in their heads, they're thinking, well, he'll pick up on this. He'll pick up on this clue that he's supposed to take the trash out. Not a chance. <laughs> He'll agree with you. Well, yeah, it is full. <laughs> Guys take direct form of communication. Many times women take non-direct forms. Of, you think I'm being sexist or gender. I'm not. I, I'm, this is a broad brush. But you'll see it. And especially women, they pick up on the clues. Like if... if there is a non-direct form of communication between two women, they would understand what's going on. They understand the clues. They understand the secret language. <laughs> Guys, we don't, we don't get it. And so what happens is she, is she thinks, oh, in my family, the dad always took out the trash. All he needed to know was the trash was full. Now he'll take it out because that's what dads do. But let's say he came from a family where trash was full. Whoever saw it, tied it up, took it out. Now, they're in a conflict, and they didn't even know there was this ground here. Now, who's right and who's wrong? N- neither of them is right or wrong. Neither. It's just a difference. That's what I'm saying. No, he's wrong. <laughs> he should take it out. Come on. You want, you want gender stuff? <laughs> take out the stinking trash. <laughs> but there's a misunderstanding of roles and responsibilities. Who handles the finances? Who pays the bills? Who... who does different things. You know, like at my brother's house, his wife, Beth, she absolutely loves to mow the yard. She loves it. It's, you know, he, my brother had to convince her when she was like eight, and nine months pregnant not to mow the yard anymore, because he was looking really bad to the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, his eight month wife, i mm-hmm, will mowing the yard. so Because she loved to mow the yard. My wife's not even sure where the mower is in our house. (laughs) You know, it's just different roles and responses. Now, if I expect her to mow the yard, we're gonna have a conflict. I mean, the list could go on and on. What I want to say to you is conflict is inevitable. It's gonna happen. The issue is not whether it's gonna happen, it's what we do with. I also want to say this in just a small point. Conflict it can be contagious. Can be contagious. It says in uh, Proverbs, a hot-tempered man does what? He stirs it up. He makes it worse. He stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. I mean, the conflict between David and really Absalom and Tamar, um, all the people engaged in that um, story, Amnon, was that his name? on a blank, Amnon and Tamar, the whole thing, it just, the conflict kept escalating, kept escalating, it became contagious, it went from Amnon and Tamar, who David should have then handled, to then include Absalom, to then include eventually a nation, I mean that conflict that started at one place became contagious. And it, the same thing can happen in your own home. There's a story, It, it was just, it's kind of a joke story, but this little boy, Bobby, says to his dad, hey, Dad, h- how did World War I start? And he said, oh, that started when Germany invaded Belgium. And the mom, she's walking through the room, she goes, no, 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 it happened when the archbishop, I mean, when the archduke got uh, assassinated. And then the dad and mom start fighting over how World War I started. <laughs> and eventually Bobby, st- st- five, seven, eight, and Never mind, I know now <laughs> how World War I Conflict starts small and explodes if we're not careful. If we don't handle it correctly, it just continues to grow. It can become, it can become contagious. Dr. Joseph Tucker, in a book called Jesus' Strategy for Healed and Healthy Relationships, says this, the number one health problem of the United States of America and the world is not AIDS, drugs, guns, violence, cancer, heart disease, etc. It is the chronic enmity of persons and groups toward each other. What he's saying? He's saying unresolved conflict, enmity between groups, is the number one, it's his opinion, I don't know the facts. He has to back it up. But what he's pointing out is how... I've seen it in my own family many times. A conflict between me and Kathy would spread to our kids. Listen, please hear me in love. Mom, Dad, if you're fighting and it's tense, even if you think you've taken it to the bedroom, the kids, it's going to... Now, does that mean you never fight? No, but there's a good way to have a fight and there's a bad way to have a fight. We'll talk about that in just a minute. In other words, there's ways to handle conflict, but if it becomes angry, if it becomes contentious, if it becomes ugly, if it becomes sinful, it becomes contagious. And then you'll wonder, why is little Bobby acting out like this? I don't understand. Why is he being so rebellious toward me? Why, why will he not obey me? Could it be that it's because he sees mom and dad not getting along? Hey, we don't, no one has to follow the rules around here. Really? I mean, it's that kind of into, it, it spreads. Conflict among my kids would sometimes escalate in our house where everybody's on edge. It's contagious. But here's what I want to point out, and this is the main point this morning conflict can not be conquered, it can be overcome. People handle conflict in a number of different ways. Some people uh, withdraw. They just say, oh, I don't want to get in this conflict, so I'll just stand over here and be quiet and do nothing. Let me just say that's the headed toward the volcano, move. Things will explode. You can't suppress stuff. It's going to come out somewhere. It's going to come out somewhere in some way, even if you withdraw. Uh, Some people want to overpower and win. They just, they're bullies. I'm going to get my way. Whether it's right or wrong, it's irrelevant. It's my way, I'm going to win. I did it my way. It's become our theme song. Some people just want to smooth it over. Just make it, some people will compromise. Some people will confront. There's a ton of different responses to conflict. Larry Crabb uh, says in his book, The Safest Place on Earth, the difference between spiritual and unspiritual community is not whether conflict conflict exists, but is rather in our attitude toward it and our approach to handling it. When conflict is seen as an opportunity to draw more fully on spiritual resources, we have the makings of spiritual community. The sign of a healthy relationship please write this down, is not an absence of conflict, but the ability to resolve the conflict and to deal with conflict. I love the way the Bible shows us how real the biblical authors were. I mean, remember Paul and Barnabas? They, two huge leaders, I mean, Really, Barnabas, Paul would not have been Paul without Barnabas, right? Son of encouragement, gets Paul, introduces him to church leaders, helps him. I mean, really. And then they decide, hey, let's go on a mission trip together. These guys are friends. They're co-workers. They, they're, they're doing great. And Barnabas says, hey, let's take my nephew, John Mark. Let's take him with us. Take John Mark with him. Next thing you know, John Mark's a little homesick. That's what guys do. We went home. <laughs> No, he just hung it out. But he left. He left. Next mission trip, Paul and Barnabas getting dressed, ready to go, packing up the bags. Let's go on another mission trip. Hey, I think John Mark, he's going a little bit. Let's take him with us. No way. You know, one chance. That's all I give you. No, I don't know if that's what Paul says. You know, Paul could be a little straightforward. Barnabas is so convinced, though. He's a He's an encourager. Paul is... Let's go get them. I mean, they're different personality types, different spiritual giftings. I'm putting my own spin on this a little bit, but I think it's more accurate than not. So Paul says, no, we're not taking him with him. I'm not going to risk it again. We could get in a hard place and he could take off. I need somebody. So Barnabas says, no, I am going. I really want to encourage this kid. I'm going to take him with him. They split and go their own way. It became such a big deal, the conflict, that they they went their own way. I mean, but They always had a respect for each other. Over in 1 Corinthians, it says, Paul, this is long after they've gone their own ways, and he says something like, or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? He's using Barnabas as a reference point for something later on. It's not only that, but it's not the end from Mark or John Mark as well. Over in 2 Timothy, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark. And bring him with you because he is helpful to me in the ministry. Something's happened where this conflict that caused the split has been resolved. So that Mark becomes valuable to Paul. Not only that, but we think, I'm sure it's the same Mark who Peter references. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, he's in Rome, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Mark's with, you know, is wanted by Paul. He's with Peter in Rome. You know, Tradition holds that Mark um, got the account of the life of Christ from, from Peter and becomes the first gospel writer, according to, according to tradition. He goes on to lead uh, the church and to become really a, a, a great leader. Tradition says that he becomes a, a bishop and a martyr, and his body is buried supposedly in Venice in St. Mark's Cathedral which I'll see in about 10 days. And um, just throwing that out. The point I'm making is this. Look, conflict happens. Sometimes it can go a certain direction, but it can be resolved. And when resolved, even the cause of the conflict, like Mark, if it's a person, can be restored, redeemed, and achieve unbelievable things. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, kill him, ignore him, fight with him, cut him off. That's a lot of our responses. No, now he says, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. That's what he, if he sins against you, what if you sinned against him? Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember that your brother has something against you. Go and take care of it. We need to see conflict resolved. So in in that, I want to tell you how to have, just real quickly, I'm going to move through these points, how to have a good fight. Fights, F-I-G-H-T-S. It's it's a way to remember it. Um, First is face the problem and the person. Face the problem and the person. Can I say this, that ignoring conflict almost never works? I say almost never. I mean, it may make you feel better, but it really doesn't work. Uh, just ignoring it, it'll go, it'll go away. Almost never does it go away. Because, you know what, you're human, and it just, it's got its little hook in your heart, and it just keeps pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. You think you're ignoring it, but you really, you, you're, you don't have the ability to. So rather than just ignore it, face the problem. And again, I think the biblical way is to face the person. That's what Jesus said. Of course, he didn't have email, but I don't think he would have said, hey, if your brother has something in, text him. (laughs) Send him a a smiley emoji or a frowny face. Angry emoji. He'll get it. (laughs) I'll stop being funny and just move on. And some of you think I'm not that funny anyway. So, (laughs) second point is... Ignore the temptation to get sidetracked. Ignore the temptation to get sidetracked. I, I, I talk about this in premarital counseling a lot, which is this. Deal with the problem. The problem is the problem, not the person. Right? So here's what happens a lot of time. Um, let's say um, you and your spouse are here. And in between you is your problem. Let's say it's finances. It's one of the number one problems that people have is a cause of conflict is finances. So let's say finance is the problem. And you start talking about, wow, you know, we've got a little too much debt. Or we're we're, accumulating. we're, not, we're, we're not meeting our bills like we should. And, well, the problem is the finances. And the next thing you know, you know, the problem is you don't make enough money. Or the problem is you spend too much money. And now we're not talking about the problem anymore, are we? I mean, honestly, we all contribute to the problem. That's not the issue. But now rather than talking about the problem, we're accusing the other person. And it becomes personal. Now what happens to the person who's not making enough money? They get defensive. I'm working as hard as I can. How many more hours in a day are there? Maybe you should get a job. Maybe you should get a job that makes more money. You know, the the conversation now escalates where it's no longer talking. We're not talking about finances anymore. We're talking about people. Now, I understand that sometimes the problem is people because we are sinful. But that's a whole different way. There's whole different ways to deal with that. But if you're talking about finances, let's talk about the finances. And then let's both talk about the ways that we have problems with finances. Take ownership of our own stuff. Ignore the temptation to get sidetracked. Is what I'm saying. Stick with the problem. Define the problem. Don't get off track. And guard your tongue. Guard your tongue. Name calling, accusing, and attacking is—it's almost never helpful. (laughs) That was a joke too. It's never helpful. It's never going to help the situation. It just makes it worse. You know the devil is a cause is called the accuser for a reason he makes accusation and when you when you start getting in these fights what you do is start accusing and i say this phrase to couples all the time say no to the voice of accusation because even what's going to happen is in your head in the middle of this conflict resolution what's going to happen is there's going to be a voice inside your head that's going to start saying they're the problem. They're the problem. They don't love you right. They don't say the right things. They don't do this. They don't do that. They do this. They say this. They... So what happens is the accuser just jumps in to the middle of this and starts accusing the other person to you. And what do you think is happening over here? Same exact thing. The accuser, he's going to come in and start accusing your spouse or your friend or whoever to you. Say no to the voice of accusation. Just cut it off and say, no, I refuse to agree with that in your mind. And especially with your tongue. I believe there's power in verbal confession. So when I say guard your tongue, when the accuser starts saying something to you and then you start saying it, you're agreeing with the accuser. Instead, bless the other person. Start speaking blessings over them. And bless and curse not. Now, again, I know you can get silly with this where you're just starting to say meaningless blessing things. I'm not talking like that. I'm saying say no to the voice of accusation and say no, I know this person loves me and has my best interest at heart. I'm going to receive that, I'm going to speak it, and I'm going to walk in that rather than saying they don't like me, they hate me, they whatever, fill in the gap. Guard your tongue. History belongs in the past. <clears throat> Let me say it again. History belongs in the past. If you get into conflict and you start dredging up historical events from 10, 15 years ago, you know, this is just like that time. You know, you didn't take the trash out. <laughs> May 20th, 2001, you didn't do it. I had to do it. And you know what I mean? You start doing that. Do you know, uh, there's a reason it says in Corinthians, love keeps no record of wrongs. Some of us, we need to burn our list. Some of us, we have a list. It may not be written down, but in our mind, we know the dates. We know the times. We know the circumstances. We have our list of wrongs. If we're going to move forward in conflict, we've got to... un. If you're going to forgive someone, I know you can't forget. Forgive and forget is a myth in our ability, in our sinful state. But you can let it off your list. You can not bring it up by repeating it and rehearsing, rehearsing the past. Take responsibility for your action. I, I say this on a frequent basis. Many times, I, I, can't, I can't think of almost any time where I've done marriage counseling, not premarital, but, you know, premarital couples, they come in, they're so in love with each other, and everything's great, and this is the only person on God's green earth that I could possibly marry, and uh, they'll never do anything to offend me, and what, what little is wrong with them, I'll fix after I get married, and by the way, another lie, you can't fix another person. So they're they're so in love, that half of my battle is getting them to fight with each other. <laughs> so, those of you who haven't done premarital counseling with me, here's a giveaway. Part of what I'll do is try and cause conflict among you because you're going to have them. And what we want to do is learn how to handle it. Um, there's usually one good cry session in every premarital counseling appointment I do. I mean, really, <laughs> some of you are like, what kind of weirdo is this guy? <laughs> Talk to the people, and it's been helpful for them, because it's underlying, and they just they don't deal with it. You know, they don't they haven't dealt with it. So I anyway, but post marital counseling, most of the time when the couple comes in to see me, their their attitude is this: fix them. They're the problem here. You know, if you'll just take care of them, fix them, then everything will be good. Because I'm good. My only problem is them. I'm mad at them. They've got the issue with finances. They've got the issue with anger. They've got the issue with lying. They've got the issue with just filling the gap, whatever it might be. Listen, no, no couple who comes in is one person exclusively the problem. And many times when I do marriage counseling, this is offensive to some people, to say, well, how do you contribute to this problem? What? I mean, it's like, that. I mean, it's like they've never even thought of it before. Like, I, even, let, let me just say this. I've counseled couples where one of the spouses has committed adultery, and one hasn't. So there's the offensive, is that the right term? Party, and then there's the offended, the one who's been sinned against. And and even in that setting, I'll try to, even this person is going to need, I mean, they're going to need a lot of healing, right? And the marriage didn't get to that point just out of it. So I'll start talking to them about, well, how did you contribute to the problem? I didn't, I didn't have an affair. It wasn't me. And, you know, they're right. But at the same time, everybody in the room has some responsibility in the dysfunction and conflict that's occurred. We need to take responsibility for this. I mean, there's a lot of biblical examples of this saying, I have sinned. My sin is ever before me. Taking responsibility. And there is power in confession, agreement with what's taking place. By the way, guys, <laughs> just I'm going to throw this in for free because I'm just killing myself today. Um, <clears throat> I, just saying "I'm sorry, please forgive me" to end the conversation never works very well. Now, you're not even laughing at that, but you know what I mean. If if the conversation is going bad and you think oh, I'm just so tired of this conversation, hey, honey, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. It ain't. It, they, they can tell that you didn't really mean it. That was helpful uh, for more of you than like he is a sick man. S- stay in there until you come up with a solution. Stay in there until you come up with a solution. Here's what the Bible says. Don't let the sun go down on what? Your problem? No, your anger. The emotional connection that's there. Does that mean you have to totally fix the problem before you go to bed? No. Thank you, Emily, for helping me out there. No, you're not. You don't have to fix every problem before you go to bed because you can't. You know, on, honestly, come 10 o'clock, I disintegrate. I mean, really, my mind starts, it doesn't work very well. I used to be able to stay up all night writing papers and brilliant things, and, but like 10 o'clock, I, I just, I fall off a cliff. If, we, if Kathy and I try to have a, a really intense conversation after 10 p.m., it, it's not going to go well. There's certain emotional restraints in my life that are no longer there. <laughs> I don't have this, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't hang in there as good as I used to. It just doesn't go well. So when we come to a place of saying, well, before we go to bed, look, we're not angry. Are you angry? Are you angry? No, our anger's taken care of. Let's get together tomorrow and handle this problem. The problem, and then we'll define the problem. The problem is X. We're, not, we're no longer angry about it, so we can go to bed. <laughs> we'll deal with the problem. We'll, we're going to deal with it. There is a time and a place where we're going to deal with the issue. And stick with it. It may take days. It may take weeks. Some of you, Again, some of you didn't get into this problem overnight, and it may take you a while to get out of it. But don't give up. Don't give up. Just hang in there. Conflict is certain. It's going to happen. Conflict can be contagious if not done correctly. But conflict can be conquered. I mean, again, the Bible is such a great example of conflict handled well over and over and over again. The story of Joseph, to me, again, is an amazing story of conflict with his brothers. I mean, he had every right. Every right from... I mean, the the Rambo story of Joseph would be he annihilates his brothers when they come back. Right? Oh my gosh, I'm in a position of power. These jerks sold me into slavery. I was a slave for all of those years because these idiots were jealous because I got a robe and they didn't. Because I had a dream and they didn't. Now is the time for me to whack them back. And we would make a movie out of that and celebrate, right? I mean, that's the American way. But instead, he weeps. He loves them. He How many times in our families do we need to step up and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weep over this. Rather than blame or fight or be angry I'm going to take this to the Lord. I'm going to confess my own sin. I'm going to ask for a way out by the truth of the power of the Spirit. I'm going, to, I'm going to confess where I've wronged someone and I'm going to weep over the brokenness of God's heart that marriages are falling apart all around us because we can't handle conflict. And today, I want to say it ends. I wish I could just declare that and say this is gonna stop I wish I had that power I'd be dangerous with it I know but do you know I think in a certain way you've got that power within your own home though to say "I'm, I'm today this stops these words this attitude this unforgiveness and Things may not change today or tomorrow, but if I, start sowing we, if I start sowing words of blessing in my home and life in my home, then I'm going to someday reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for all the families, all the marriages, all the relationships in this room right now. I pray that, Spirit of God, you would just give us life. Lord, we stand against the accuser who's trying to accuse us day and night. Who's trying to bring down marriages, trying to bring down relationships, trying to destroy families, trying to divide friends, brothers in Christ, and sisters in Christ, and is trying to destroy churches because we don't handle conflict in a healthy, God-like way. Lord, today I want to say I know that in this world I'm going to have problems, but I'm going to take heart because you have overcome. And because you are an overcomer, we're more than overcomers in Christ. And Lord, we just, we receive. And I pray that today we would start sowing seeds of righteousness and health and life and joy into our homes. Lord, when conflict occurs, which it will, I pray that, God, we would handle it in a way that honors you and builds us up and and sanctifies us. Lord, we thank you. We bless you, I pray today, that homes, marriages, relationships would be restored. Lord, for people who need help because they can't uh, seem to resolve some things themselves, they're stuck in patterns that they can't break out of, Lord, point them to the right people who can both pray with them, give them godly counsel, and help them break out of those patterns of behavior. Lord, we want to all become more Christ like. Lord, I pray that that would occur. I pray for my home, my marriage, my kids, my family, this family of faith. And Lord, we we recognize today that all families on earth derive their name from you, that you are our Father. So may our eyes be fixed upon you today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.